Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. So what has shown the highest returns over 25 years? Is it gold? Is it bonds? Is it stocks? Did you say stocks? That's the answer. Does that question sound familiar? Well, that was part of a quiz that we played a couple of weeks back to give away this great book, Kiss, Stocks to Build Your Second Source of Income. So you want to take charge of your personal finances. You want to build that second source of income. What are the key investment concepts that you need to have in mind? and always thinking about, well, I think this book is a great explainer and gives you the fundamentals very clearly. Rohit Gupta is the author of the book and he joins us live this morning. Rohit, good morning. Thanks for being here. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Okay, first up, why did you want to write this book? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's it's like a joke. It's about, you know, they say a cobbler's son having no shoes. So it's about more about teaching my daughter and her generation about how to save money and how to invest money. Uh-huh. Uh, my daughter is an artist. Uh, she went to an art school in the U.S. Uh, and, and a lot of her friends and colleagues, they're very artistic. They're very creative. Uh, but they're not very good at, at financial management and, and, and money management. So this was more a book about, uh, about uh, you know, teaching young kids who are not so financially savvy and not so interested in money. Uh, about about the basics of finance and money, and like I told her, it's not it's not about money, but mm. about financial security that will actually allow you to live life on your terms. So so that's what this book is really about. You know how in today's world, particularly with the, with the gig economy and you know and and the more volatile world and Brexit and trade wars, yeah. and, you know people not having a lifetime employment. It's important for people to take charge of their personal finances and, and build a second source of income, which will just allow you that flexibility and, and the opportunity to kind of live life on your terms. Love it. So it's written with a young person in mind, but can anybody jump into the stock market after reading your book? No, so absolutely. Uh, you know, the book is, you know, like I said, the book is about building a portfolio to, to provide a second source of income. So mm-hmm. to that extent, investing is a means to an end. Uh, and the emphasis is on providing the basic concepts and understanding for investing for, for young people. Uh, unfortunately, these are not very well covered in, uh, you know, most education systems. Uh, also, unfortunately, 24 by 7 financial media is not necessarily the best, you know, long-term I know you're advice. not talking about Money FM, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and I've learned that the hard way, right? Uh, yes, that's true. Say. But, you know, sometimes when people get into uh, understanding the stock market, watching CNBC or listening to a business station like ours becomes as addictive as watching a sports channel. No, that's that's true. Mm. Uh, And, you know, like like I said, my book is more about learning from my mistakes rather than learning from my success. Uh, Uh And while it is targeted at under 30s, like you said, the principles of investing will equally apply to, to the more serious investor. In fact, I, I, I generally feel that serious investors also make the same mistakes, but I'm not sure they're going to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I did want to ask what you, it does offer the serious investor, because you do say that this book covers the range of needs of investors, right? So can you share some examples of what it says to the first timer and what it says to the serious investor? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Let me uh, let me let me try and summarize it the best I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the most most important thing here is that 
you need a lot of money for retirement, right? And just savings is not going to get you there, right? Like they say, on the average, you need about 15 times your annual income or your annual expenses by the time you retire, right? If you save 10% a year, it's going to take you 150 years. Even if you save 25% a year, and none of us can save 25% a year, it's going to take you 60 years, right? We, we work about 30, 35 years. So how, how, how do you do it? Right? And that's, that's really where the concept of compound interest and there's really the concept of doubling your money comes in. Mm. Right? To take a very simple example, if you, know, if you can grow your money at, let's say, 10%, mm-hmm. you're, growing, you're doubling your money every seven years, right? Rule of 72, right? 72 divided by 10. Yeah. Which really says if you got $100,000, it'll grow to 1.6 million. It'll double four times in 30 years. 100,000 to 200,000 once, 200,000 to 400,000 twice, 400,000 to 800,000 thrice, and 800,000 to 1.6 million in 30 years. In five years, it will become 3.2 million. So the important thing is, you know, to let it stay longer, let that last doubling happen. And even if you're not 35, you don't have to worry because most of us are going to be in retirement for at least 30, 35 years. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, it's important to, to, you know, focus on your total portfolio and growing your total portfolio rather than individual stocks or a small component of your portfolio or trying to make a killing on one stock. Uh, because it's more about building your portfolio, which I think applies equally to, to a lot of serious investors also, you know, who take 10% of the money, 25% of the money, try and invest or try and find one, two, three, four good stocks. And most people will find one, right? And you'll hear them talk about it every time you go out for dinner. <laughs> and the other three stocks that they've lost money on, they'll never talk about <laughs> I like that. That is so true. What, what is a serious investor? What, what can the serious investor take from your book, do you think? So I think the, 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 the basic thing is that, you know, Warren Buffett has said it. Right? Mm. In fact, they say Warren Buffett made 99% of his money after he turned 55, right? And he's now close to 95. So it just shows, you know, how long he stayed invested in. And the longer you stay invested, the more time it takes money to kind of double, right? Or, or grow, right? Like they say, right? The poor work for their money. The rich have their money work for them. Exactly. Right? Which is really the concept of doubling your money. And... Apparently, Warren Buffett had a, had a bet with Goldman Sachs a couple of years ago where he said, you know, you invest a million dollars uh, and I will put it into a low-cost index fund. And, you know, at the end of 10 years, let's see who's, who's got better returns. And, and Warren Buffett won, right? So if low-cost index funds can be the best and the brightest in Goldman Sachs, uh, I, think it's, I think it's a little bit of a stretch of an imagination if people like me think that, you know, we can, we can kind of somehow beat the market in the long term. Mm. Uh, so my, my thing is it's best to stay focused on what they call low-cost index funds, uh, be diversified, keep your costs low, think long-term. And that in the, lo- in the long term, you know, and multiple research has shown that uh, beats any, you know, actively managed funds or actively, uh, you know, picking up uh, uh, small investments or individual investments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the same, on the other flip side, if you do want to uh, invest in stocks, uh, you know my, my my concept is 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 very simple. Like I say, you know, buy stocks like you buy socks. Yes, uh, both how, how does that work? Import- <laughs> <laughs> I go with pattern. Okay, look at quality and price. Okay, so I think it's important to have both quality and price. 
right? Like I say, you know, investment 101, right? Do not confuse a good company with a good investment, right? Uh, the best of companies may not be the best of investments if you're not getting them at the right price, mm-hmm. right? Because, because you know, when, when you're buying in the stock market, right, you're really buying from, from one another. The, you know, the money that you buy has no impact on how well the company is going to do or how well they're going to grow or what is their EPS or what are their returns, right? But the price that you buy at is critical to your individual returns or how well you will do or maybe you should make a loss, right? And therefore, it's, it's important to make sure that you buy it at the right price uh, and quality, right? So which is why I talk about socks, right? All of us for socks, right? None of us want to overpay for our socks, but we want good quality. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we should buy our stocks like we buy our socks. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, I, I read a great book recently. It's called Laughing at Wall Street, and it, it illustrates what you just described beautifully, I think. So the book Laughing at Wall Street is written by a guy who, um, you know, actually managed to do very, very well in the stock market with his own picks. And he talks about how at age 12, um, he thought it might be a good idea to buy Toys R Us just before Christmas time because he thought everybody's going to be buying toys. So he asked his lawyer dad to buy him a couple of stocks of Toys R Us, thinking the stock price was going to go up because more people were going to be buying toys. It's the logic of a 12-year-old. And, you know, his lawyer dad basically said, you know, you, you got to look at the, at, at the fact that this has been priced in so you got to look at the price of the stock right now and whether or not it's going to give you that margin or headroom for more profit later on so i see what you're saying there in terms of the entry point right and that's that's something that i think a lot of investors are always um wringing their hands over is this a good point of entry so i I wonder if you can start giving us couple of basic concepts from your book. We are speaking with Rohit Gupta. He's the author of a terrific book called KISS, Stocks to Build Your Second Source of Income. And KISS refers to that philosophy of keeping it simple, right? Keeping anything simple. So how do stock markets work? How are people making money in the stock markets? Okay, that's interesting. If I if I knew the secret to that, I would have retired in Hawaii by now. <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, very simply speaking, right? Uh, stock market investments is more than, you know, buying a company share at, let's say, $100 and trying to sell it at, at $150, okay. right? Or hopefully not suffering a loss with prices falling to, to $90, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, when you buy st- uh, stocks and buy and sell stocks in the stock market, it's important to understand that these have no direct impact, like I said, on the company, right? Companies' growth, profits, dividends are not impacted at the price that you buy, right? But your returns on that stock to a large, uh, you know, depends on the price that you buy it at. Very simplistically speaking, you know, the share price of a company uh, can be put as earnings per share multiplied by the price earnings ratio, right? So what we say EPS uh, into into PE, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, you can make money either when the EPS goes up or, 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 or the PE goes up or hopefully the PE does not come down. Right. And, and therefore, what you need to really, really make sure is buy stocks with a reasonable probability that the company's EPS will continue to grow mm. and the PE will not drop sharply. Of course, both are very difficult to predict. Yeah. That's why it's important to understand the concept of economic moat, that is buying a company that have a compet- long term competitive advantage mm-hmm. and a margin of safety so that you're buying it at the price where if you are wrong, 
you still have uh, a, a margin of safety uh, so that you don't make a long-term uh, uh, loss. So basically, it's all about, I would say, the two most critical components are the competitive advantage or what they call an economic moat mm-hmm. uh, and a margin of safety, which basically means that you're buying a, a, a stock uh, at, at, you know, when it's going at a discount in, in the stock market. And, and, you know, this discount can be, you know, either through a, a comparative comparison like a PE or, or, or a relative compra- comparison like an intrinsic value. Uh, but basically, when, you know, when the stock market offers you a discount uh, to, to the fair value of the price, which gives you uh, the stock, which gives you a margin of safety, I think those are the two critical components. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for that primer. He's Rohit Gupta. We're going to come back to the key ideas of his book, Kiss, Stocks to Build Your Second Source of Income. Rohit, what has been your best financial, uh, shall we say, what has been your best, um, you know, your, the, the best stock that you've picked for yourself so far? I know the whole idea of this book is to build a, an overall portfolio, but what has worked best for you so far? So, 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 so like, like I say in my book, and that, that's an interesting question, uh, Michelle, thank you. So, you know, like, 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 like I say in my book, right, I mean, I really started my foray into investments in my early 30s. Mm. Uh, the daughter, birth of our daughter when me and my wife moved into our first international assignment into Jakarta, mm. right? And these were the heady days of the Asian miracle. Uh, and I invested in, in Chinese and, you know, South Asian stocks. Lo and behold, soon after that, we had the Asian financing crisis of the late 90s. Right? Not only did the stock market crash 40 to 50 percent, mm. but the currencies also lost 40 to 50 percent against the value of the U.S. dollar. Right. right? So my investment portfolio basically lost more than 70 percent of my value. Mm-hmm. You and started like I said, this my book, book with that. Yeah, you started. Yeah, so I, like I said, it was simple. My daughter was not going to university. Right? But... You know, what I, what I learned in the long term then is basically to, you know, to basically make small investments, you know, on a regular basis, what they call a savings, uh, you know, investment, a monthly plan, ah. or that gives you the benefit of dollar cost averaging. Okay. And also to invest in low cost index funds. Mm. So basically, I've invested most of my money in, in index funds, mm-hmm. uh, primarily in the U.S., the S&P 500. Yep. Uh, which, you know, to a large extent, while it's, you know, it's in the U.S., but most of these companies are multinational companies and they, they invest globally. And, you know, a lot of their money may be coming from China or India or, 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 or the Middle East. Uh, you know, but they just have to happen to be global conglomerates that, that are listed on, on the New York Stock Exchange. So I, I would say, I mean, I've, I've had a pretty decent run with the S&P 500. Uh, I've had it small investments in, you know, in more niche uh, index funds, uh, let's say the Nifty in India, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think the broadest uh, and, and in the most uh, liquid and deep is probably the S&P 500 in the U.S. All right. Well, thank you for, for sharing that with us. What would you like investors to understand about how stocks provide a return? What do you say in your book? So, so like, like you said, right? And I think and I think you covered it earlier. I mean, the stock market basically are a combination of investment returns and speculative returns, right? Investment returns are really the aggregate of dividends and growth in earnings, or like I said, growth in earnings per share. Mm. And, and the speculative returns are basically based on changes in the price-earning ratio. Mm-hmm. However, over the long term, these tend to revert to what they call revert to the mean, right? So, you know, they can go up, they can go down, but, you know, on the long, in the long term, they kind of 
tend to come back to 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 the normal right uh, you know a decade of negative returns followed by a decade of correlated positive returns so i think in the long term it's you know best to focus on buying companies with with a long term uh, potential for earnings for growth which you know which as i said is a, is an economic model a competitive long term advantage mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the stock markets really have have provided the best returns over the last you know 50 years 100 years right whether it's gold whether it's commodities whether it's oil whether it's real estate uh, you know I, i can't say that for bitcoin for now <laughs> but bitcoin has not lasted 100 years <laughs> uh, but you know like you say it's gone through world wars it's gone through epidemics it's gone through you know economic downturns i mean even in my you know even in my short career right like i said you know i've gone through the asian economic crises and mm. And, and the Suharto riots in Indonesia in 97-98. Uh, I came to Singapore during the, the SARS crisis. Uh, I was in Mexico during swine flu. I was in Istanbul during the Euro debt uh, crisis. You've uh, lived during instant, in interesting times, Rohit. <laughs> but yeah, but it's but it's provided the learnings to me, and I think I, I think that's important because I say through these crises, and if you, you know if we don't see long term. You know the stock markets really are an underlying play on the on, on the on the core economy, right? And these have been on an upturn for the last 75 to 100 years, right? I think I'm not too sure whether this this is certainly correct or not, but mm-hmm. uh, you know there is a saying that the Chinese word for crisis is "weiji," uh, which means both danger and opportunity. Right? Yeah. So you have to kind of go through that cycle, and uh, it's it's honestly worked for for a lot of us. Uh, and i'm happy to say including myself fantastic i want to ask you do you think it's important to crunch all the numbers i mean i like the title of your book i think it's very catchy kiss right people think oh finally a book that simplifies investing concepts which can seem so laborious people may be daunted by crunching all those numbers on those charts and wading through an annual report i was again reading a great book that talked about how this particular investor really looked at what was impacting his life and the life around him and sort of you know trying to ascertain trends and um sort of um you know putting his money down on what he thought was going to change was already changing his world and what was likely to change the world do you, i mean do you go on on a sense of what you think is going to be game changing trend spotting so 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 that's an interesting question i mean like i said you know kiss we just keep it simple stupid is really a design principle initiated by the us navy in the 60s hmm. right it, it it says that the systems work best if they're kept simple rather than complicated and you know simplicity should really be a goal uh, unnecessary complexity should be avoided hmm. it, it was based on the challenge that a jet aircraft must be designed to be repairable by an average mechanic in the field and the combat conditions with very limited tools hmm. so you know you can have the most sophisticated you know jet engine but if it's lying in you know in, in an airport somewhere where they don't have the most sophisticated engineers or the tools then really its value gets diminished right so 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 that's really the concept and and like i said the most important things are you know earnings per share and 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 price earnings right so what you said a competitive moat uh and 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 a competitive price in terms of pe or intrinsic value right uh in in terms of the core in terms of the core metrics mm-hmm. you know i i would say what is important is probably cash flows or cash flows as a percentage of sales 
and and obviously return on investment capital, which which really tells you whether you have that long term competitive uh, uh, price. And and and, and, and that, like a lot of people say, right, the long term competitive price is not necessarily having the best product, right? It's basically having a competitive pricing competitive competitive in 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 the market, right? Can you can you price a uh, uh, price your product, uh, you know, more than your competitors and and and, and the competition is willing to pay for that. A good example is 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 Apple, right? Or, or let's say versus Samsung, right? Samsung probably has a market share twice Apple. It probably sells twice as many uh, phones as uh, as Apple does. Mm-hmm. But Apple has ninety percent of the industry profits, right? Because Apple has that competitive pricing ability to price their product and keep their uh, customers to to pay that price, right? And it's it's a it's a premium product. Mm. So I think you know the return on investment capital and and uh, you know cash flows as a percentage of sales I would say is one and the second is obviously the pricing uh, where you know you could look at uh, relative pricing like PE mm-hmm. uh, or or more uh, you know intrinsic valuations like compared to you know the intrinsic value when see if there's a discount in, in the intrinsic value. I think the important thing is to know the the concept what to look at why they are important. Yeah. Why keep it simple? Mm. Uh, you don't not need to know how to calculate them. You don't need to know the mathematical formula of how to calculate intrinsic value. While my book does have that, mm-hmm. I have it in a separate chapter called "For for the Nerds." <laughs> Only the nerds need to know that. The rest of us can go online and get it for free. Right? There are a lot of online portals and tools available where this information is available. You know, yeah. CNN Money, Yahoo Finance, Morningstar. <laughs> Okay, so, so there are basic numbers that you have to understand: ROIC, PE ratio, DCF, uh, intrinsic valuation. But when it comes to you know which sectors to look out for, for example, everybody wants to know. Okay, so what is that next dividend stock? People love dividend stocks everywhere across the world, not just in Singapore, right? So, I mean, do you look at themes? Do you think, oh, CRISPR, gene editing technology? is going to be important for the future. And so that's a sector I'm interested in. Or do you think electric vehicles are the way forward because, you know, sustainability is on everybody's lips these days. So that's an industry that I I will be looking at to screen companies as well. What do you say to people looking for dividend stocks and also wondering whether they should be looking out for for trends that are changing the world? So so that's a a difficult question. And, you know, I think it's, you know, on the average, it's it's very it's nearly impossible to kind of you know do that ahead of time uh, in a sustainable manner over a 25, 30 year period. Mm. Like like again, you know Warren Buffett you know says in his in, in his uh, you know shareholder newsletters quite often. Mm. Right, a lot of the technologies that have changed the world have not really made money for those companies. Mm. You know, the first railroads, the first airlines, the first phones. I mean, iPhone was not the first phone. Samsung was. I mean, not Samsung. Nokia? Sorry, Nokia was. Mm. People really haven't made money on Nokia, right? So it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not being first, uh, but it's, you know, when you've got a competitive advantage and you've got a model that works, you know, for example, an example that I have in my book is, you know, historically we've seen numerous investment strategies and facts, right? There's something called the hemline indicator, the Super Bowl indicator, dogs of the Dow, <laughs> January effect, trend is your friend. Like you said, the dividend stock, right? I mean, the hemline index is, is very interesting. It works like this, right? When women's hemlines are shorter, women are taking more risk and spending, which is good for the economy and, and the stock market. 
Longer hemlines, in contrast, are a negative sign for the economy, right? I mean, honestly, in the short term, some of these patterns can make money. But if money patterns exist and mispricing frequently exists, mm. then professional investment managers would be able to beat the index on a consistent manner. They don't. They haven't. Mm. Like eight out of nine managed funds do not beat the index mm. over a 10-year period. Great points. Great points there, Rohit. We're going to have to leave it there and break for the news. He's Rohit Gupta. If you'd like to find out more about the ideas in his book, the title is Kiss, Keep It Simple Stupid, Stocks to Build Your Second Source of Income. Rohit, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.